0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Join us on our journey into the past, the present, and the future, as we explore the relationship between technology and humanity. Together, we are going to find out what it means to live in a society where everything is connected, and the only constant, is change.
1: Knowledge is power. Now more than ever. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at nintex.com. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Here we are,
2: Marco. Sean, audio signals. Audio signals. And... uh... The more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the like signal you're going going there. are going very
0: philosophical already. We're oh, well, well, I love there. that. I love We're that. starting there. Yeah.
2: Now the the reality is we we tend to overthink things. I think uh, we, we see a situation and we either say that's too hard to deal with, so we ignore it, or we throw so much solution at it that uh, we kind of missed the point of why we're even trying to solve something in the first place. So uh, we're going to go that entire range, I suspect, <laughs> in this conversation today. and, uh, and it, some more, actually. That and some more, exactly. And, it, and it's driven by uh, a book that has been written, not quite published yet. Uh, it's still, uh, still churning through the press, I believe, as we speak. And uh, it's written by a, a former CIA, a professional hacker for the CIA, Dr. Eric Cole, who's with us today. Eric,
1: thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. A
0: pleasure. I, w- I would say that before you tell us a little bit about yourself, your your resume is quite impressive and uh, and the fact that you decided to write a book that is kind Of mix it, I'm gonna go philosophical. I'm gonna follow Sean's lead. Like, you're, you're it's, a, it's a real world and the virtual world, the cyber world, and that's a distinction that, on, on my opinion and, and our opinion, is doesn't exist anymore. We live in a society that it's very clearly living online up. and it's living offline, and it drives each other. So, the fact that you are addressing things in this book that are related to keeping yourself. Safe, not only when you cross the street and you drive your car, but also when you go online. I think it's it's that it crossed that bridge. And I'm very curious to hear your experience, your thirty years experience in this. So, I'll say a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, for the audience, and then we'll dig into the content of the book.
1: Absolutely. So, I've been in cybersecurity for thirty years, and I began my career, as Sean said, as a professional hacker at the CIA for eight years. And after doing that for eight years, I've learned two things. One, the offense is easy and boring because you always get in, right? I, I always like saying, just like the law of gravity, which always applies, the law of cybersecurity is quite simple. If you have functionality, you've decreased security. If you have functionality, risks are always there. So any functional based system, that has any value, has vulnerabilities that could be exploited. And, and I learned that where we could break, I could break into anything on the planet. And I it was easy and it was boring. So I switched to defense. And the second thing I learned working at the government, and I love working there, was I don't like working for a bureaucracy. And I don't do well listening to others. So I, I sort of pursued a cybersecurity entrepreneur path. And, and I'm sort of that rare breed of a technical person that actually believes you can run and build your own company. So I I built three or four companies over the years. Uh, One we sold to Lockheed Martin, where I was responsible for all the cybersecurity incident response for Lockheed Martin. I then went to McAfee and built out their entire portfolio. And we sold that company. I built multiple training courses. I've written multiple books. And now I'm running a company called Secure Anchor, where I'm really focused on helping organizations build out effective roadmaps that actually work. I sort of feel like my purpose for being on this planet is to make cyberspace a safe place to live, work and raise a family. Because like you said, whether we want to admit it or not, most of our lives, we're living online, whether we like it or not.
2: Yeah, and and as I was reading, and every time I read it, to be honest, uh, your, your title uh, was presented to us, the word hacker stood out and we're very sensitive to the use of that word and i was every time i think about it, i was like oh, is that the right use is that the, the right context and i'm very pleased to say that that is the right context of the word hacker and all the stuff that you just described symbolizes a hacker taking something and and making it do something that it's not supposed to do and creating something better by understanding how something works so i want to i want to lead with that uh How you leverage understanding how things work to then understand how to break them, to then understand how to make them better, and how perhaps that led you to what's in this book, the the content of what you're writing about.
1: Yeah, I, I was always, even since I was little, my mom used to joke she couldn't leave little Eric in a room because I would just take things apart. I would take lamps apart. I would take telephones apart, right? I was just always fascinated with how things worked and operated. And then I major in computer science and and I start interning at the CIA. And I'm like, wait a second, people will pay me to break things? This is awesome. Now, they didn't tell me, like you said, that you have to figure out how to secure it, which to me makes it so challenging every day. But, but, but But my thing that's a little different than a lot of other security professionals is a lot of security professionals focus on finding the vulnerabilities, finding the vulnerabilities, the weaknesses. And then once they find the weakness or vulnerability, it's somebody else's problem, right? Not, not, not my fault. Find somebody else or other security professionals will go in and say, well, the way you fix that is by disabling something like you hear all the time. Don't click on a link. Don't open an attachment. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And to me, If it's done correctly, and that's what I highlight in my book, Cyber Crisis, is cybersecurity should be a business enabler. You should go in and find vulnerabilities and come up with solutions that make it easier, simpler, and better for people to accomplish their job. It shouldn't be an inhibitor. It should be an enabler.
2: Yeah, and I I, I hearken back to my early days at Symantec, and and security was just kind of coming to fruition. Same same, probably same times you were uh, at at McAfee and, and building that stuff out. A little competitive <laughs> A little competitive thing there, but I always remember, oh, we're we're getting we're getting malicious stuff through email. So what was the response? Disable email. <laughs> it, it just made no sense that that was the response, and and. To your point i think we we have to find a way to be an enabler the security industry has to be an enabler of the business help it grow and then protect that growth both and i think mark i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but it to me it's the translation you said people identifying the vulnerabilities and then they're done it's the translation of what that problem is into a solution that's viable for the business what, what risk do they have and how do they overcome that risk uh, with with a method or a, a technology or a process that uh, helps them achieve their business goals, but also ma- managing that risk.
1: And and Sean, you, you just nailed it. And really the reason behind the book is that technical people love to be technical. And what I found over the last couple of years is these companies that have breaches and that are not doing what they're supposed to have world-class security engineers. These folks can debug. They can do forensics. I mean, they are just top of their game, 12, 15 years experience. The problem is they don't speak the business language. And you have this situation where you have these executives that say, I'm scared about security. I don't understand security and I need information to make strategic based decisions. And these world-class security engineers come in And they start talking about, yes, we reduced our false positives by 33%, and we increased our attack vectors, and APTs are down by 73%, and we can do cross-correlation of command and control. And the executives are like, what are you talking about? So I kept hearing over and over again, we need somebody to speak English to us of what cybersecurity is. So what I actually did when I wrote this book, I had 15 CEOs, CFOs, and COOs of various companies that all would read the chapters and basically their rule was simple all i want you to do is when you read a sentence that's not english just highlight it so i I would get back all these highlights and i would fix it and i would keep going until i got a chapter that had no highlights which told me i was speaking english or business language and that was really what i was trying to do because of business leaders and this is really for anyone parents teachers non-technical folks if they understand something, they'll fix it. Our problem in cybersecurity is we were explaining it in a way that we understood, but never in a way that they could understand. And that's the reason they weren't fixing it because they didn't know what to do. And
0: believe it or not, that's exactly why we started ITSP Magazine back six years ago. It was this disconnect between the tech talk and the society talk. And you mentioned something very important, like the capacity to tell stories and to explain in simple terms what something complicated is. There are plenty of quotes in the internet (laughs) that says this, right? Knowledge is power. If you can't explain it to your grandma, you don't really understand it yourself. If you had to break down cybersecurity, like the misconception, why people are so scared, about cybersecurity, and I'm assuming that's kind of like the elements that you brought into the book. How, how would you explain that to grandma or
1: to anyone really that is not an expert? So, so to me, the way I describe cybersecurity is real simple. Let's go ahead and commit a traditional robbery together. <laughs> so let's assume that I have a hotel room and I filled it with gold. So it's filled from top to bottom with gold, and the three of us want to go and rob that hotel room. We basically need three pieces of information. You need to know the address, you need to know the room, and there needs to be some way for somebody to break in to that room, either social engineer the front desk, or convince one of the cleaning people that you belong in that room. Cybersecurity is the same way. They have to find a computer. They have to find an entry point, which can be email, web, and they have to find a weakness, which is an individual to break in. And the ultimate lesson learned here is you're always going to get in. If we wanted to break into a hotel room, we will do, we will be successful whether we do it inadvertently or we slip $50 to the cleaning staff. You always get in. The trick to protecting my gold is monitoring and detection, is to go in and they're gonna break into the room, but catch them early and control the damage. And to me, that's the part that's missed, is companies today are still so focused on preventing, 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 we're gonna stop the attack. And this is where the confusion comes in, is I get a CEO that tells me, Eric, I spent $20 million on security, I have a team of 50 people and they still broke in, This thing called cybersecurity is helpless. No matter what we do, we're going to lose. And I'm like, if you play the prevention game, it's true. But to me, the definition of cybersecurity is to detect attacks in a timely manner to control the damage. Every single major breach that we've seen of hundreds of millions of records was caused because nobody detected the attack for multiple years. If we would have caught the attack within 10, 20, 30 minutes or 10, 20, 30 days, you would have had 100 records stolen, not 500 million. So to me, we have to shift our focus. Prevention is fine, and you want to do what you can to stop it. But it's all about detection, monitoring, and visibility into what's happening. And then once we understand that, the game changes, and it's actually a game that we can now win if we're focused in on the right areas. Yeah, because win in the end is...
0: It's all about the goal that you have so I, I feel like we we as you said we we just painted the wrong the wrong goal I mean we're telling people that if you don't become unhackable, you're gonna lose therefore you're gonna lose <laughs> Sean, we're gonna lose uh, I don't want to lose I don't want to <laughs> lose and i I
2: I suspect if we have a good conversation, we can figure out a nice game plan to win. Yep. And I, I, I feel, Eric, that, that the communication is where a lot of this stuff breaks down. Um, the the business expecting the tech to speak business, and the and the tech people maybe not caring about them. <laughs> not the they don't care about the they care about the business they don't care about the business language, or they don't really understand. So, how do you see that conversation bridge? Uh, coming together, uh, how do how do executives operationalize a, a, an environment that makes it possible to have that conversation to to achieve what you're describing?
1: Yeah, and you nailed it. Uh, over my entire life, I learned that every single problem is caused, and every single problem is fixed with communication. And also because I've been married 25 years, I also learned that every problem with communication is also my fault. So so that, that that's just a b- b- bonus there. See, I'm, I'm just laying it all out for you. But but yeah, yeah, the trick is, and I joke around with that, is if somebody doesn't understand what you're saying and is getting frustrated, it's because you're not communicating correctly. And that's what I think happened in businesses is security people want the executives to learn their language is not going to happen. We have to learn their language. What is the language of business? Money. So to me, is this is the test I always give of security professionals. I walk up to them and I ask four questions. What is your name? Where do you live? How old are you? And what business is your company in? And if you can answer them, just that quick, Eric Cole, boom, 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 then you're aligned with the business. But you could probably imagine most people like their name, their age, they get that. And it's like, what business you're in? Well, we make stuff, or yeah, I mean, we produce stuff, or Eric, that's not my issue, that, that, that's not my problem. So well, one of the things I'm big on is smart people know the right answers, brilliant people ask the right questions. So what I try to do in this book is lay out not only what are the questions that security people should know, but what are the questions that executives need to ask about cybersecurity so they can understand what impact it has to their business. And doing this for a long time, to me, it's quite simple. All executives care about is what is the risk, what is the likelihood of occurring, cost if it occurs, and cost to fix it. I have never had trouble communicating with executives. I've never had trouble getting budgets because that's how I communicate with them. And they need to understand that you are a target. Your company is going to get compromised. And it's your responsibility as an executive to understand security at a strategic level.
2: And is it also, Eric, the executive's responsibility to, uh, I don't know, and I don't know if companies actually do this or not, but to actually sit down with the organization, the security operations team, security management team to say, this is what we care about for our business. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is where the stuff lives. If something happens here, this is a problem. Does that happen? And if not, is it the responsibility to do that? Or is it the responsibility of the security team to ask those questions or is it both?
1: To me, it's both. And the problem today is neither is doing that. So so your executives sit back and point fingers at the tech and vice versa. And and, and I'll just give you a great, great story that illustrates this is I was recently up in New York and uh, a large bank and I'm sitting with the CEO, the COO and the CFO. And we're just talking about business. And all of a sudden one of them looks at their watch and goes, oh man, we have have the meeting at one o'clock. And all the others are like, oh, crap, we have that meeting. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, oh, one o'clock on Tuesday is our weekly meeting with the CISO. And uh, so and I'm like, OK, what's good. So the, so the CISO walks in the chief information security officer and proceeds to go in and talk about. All of the new technology and the stats for the monitoring center and the different attack vectors that they're seeing and how they've increased their phishing metrics by 5%. And as the CISO is getting more and more excited, you're seeing the other three executives on their phone, rolling their eyes, taking naps and all this other stuff, and they're not saying anything. And after about 20 minutes, they end the meeting and the the chief information security officer leaves. So I, I just couldn't help myself. So I run after the person, I'm like, hey, I'm curious. How did you think that meeting went? And they looked at me and goes, Eric, I crushed it. I owned it. I showed them that I knew everything there was to know about cybersecurity at this company. I knew every possible technical detail. I owned that meeting. And I looked at him and I said, that's from your perspective. I said, what do you think the executives would judge this meeting on? If I went and asked them right now how you did in the meeting, what would they say? And then it sort of got a little quiet. And I'm like, did you ever think that you were presenting what you wanted to hear and not what they wanted to hear? And what I finally did is I brought the CISO back in the room and I said, I'm doing marriage counseling because you guys have an unhealthy marriage. And I said, we're having an open conversation. I said, the CISO thought he did a great job. You guys think he did an awful job. Tell him why. And I forced the conversation. And it was a little awkward, but at the end of the meeting, they both left with the respect of what the other side was looking for. But what you said is neither side is doing that today. And that's the problem. And both sides are blaming the others and getting frustrated. I'm like, just tell them this isn't what you want. Right. But nobody's willing to have those conversations. And that's what I'm really trying to do with my message with my keynotes, and with the book that I publish, is let's have the conversation so everyone can talk the same language and be on the same side.
2: And I think you mentioned there, there's at least one question in the book that you give as an example. Are you able to share that or, or something else of, from the perspective of the security team or the CISO? What's what's that question they should be asking to get that information they need?
1: Right, so so a, any, any CISO or security person They must be asking, what business are we in? How do we make money? How is our company actually making money? Now, what I recommend in the book is any business leader, whether it's a manager, an executive, or CEO of any size organization, one of the questions they need to ask to raise their awareness is, how many attempted attacks do we have against our organization on a daily basis? Because here's what I find. Most CEOs that I talk with, if I ask them, how many attempted attacks do you think your company has? They'll be like, Eric, we're, we're, we're a small company. We're, we're in this odd business. Nobody's going to target us. We wouldn't be of interest to attackers. We maybe have two or three a day. And when you talk to the security team, it's add a couple of zeros. It's twenty to 30,000 attempted attacks a day. So here's what I find. If your CEO believes that you're not a target and that you're not interest to cyber adversaries and you have one or two attempted attacks a day, in six or seven months, when you get compromised, they're going to think that we we should have been unhackable. They're going to think that that shouldn't have happened. And what does every company do? They fire the CISO. They fire the security officer because they felt they were negligent. However, on the other hand, if they start asking or you start telling, and they know that we have 30,000 attacks every single day against our organization, and we're defending against that, now in six or seven months, when you have a breach, you're going to say, I wish we didn't have a breach, but based on the sheer volume, it was inevitable, and now let's see what we can do to better support the CISO as opposed to firing them. So it changes the perspective once you recognize just how bad a problem it is. But what you have is the executives have this false sense of reality that we should never get broken into. The security team knows really how bad it is. And neither side is asking or exchanging that information. And to me, that's the main area where it's broken. All right. So let's
0: let's use all your experience that you had in government. Um agency, and big corporation. and But I know that one of the main goal of your book is actually to address the issue of cybersecurity and present it to small and medium businesses as well. So it's it's easy to have this conversation. Well, easy, easy-ish ish, with the big company, but at least they have a CISO, they have a CIO, they have a team, a security team. And then you get to the mom and pop shop and the mom and pop shop is also applying the knowledge that they may acquire for defending their business to protecting their family as well. So it's it's very well connected. I think it started to trickle into, into society, into the everyday people that their job is to make bread and to, to sell something and not to um, protect a big company. So how how can we break it down, even in a more simpler term, to to teach everybody the basic of cybersecurity? I know it's a billion-dollar question, but maybe you have an answer.
1: Yeah. and, And you bring up a great point because people always think, and maybe it was true eight or 10 years ago, that only the big companies need cybersecurity. Only these big, gigantic Lockheed Martins, Microsofts, Boeings need the cybersecurity. Individuals, families, small businesses don't. But an interesting trend started happening a couple of years ago. These attackers said, okay, I could spend nine or 12 months trying to break into this large corporation that spends $30 million a year on security and has 300 people doing it. And I probably after nine or 10 months could get in access their database and steal 20 million records. Or I could target 20 million individuals that are spending nothing on security. They have no protection, no controls. I can break into them within minutes and I could steal 20 million records from individuals and that's a much easier method. So it's actually the smaller companies and the individuals that are at higher risk because they're easier targets And if a large company suffers a cyber breach, they can survive. If a small company suffers a cyber breach, you go out of business. You could lose your entire life savings. So to me, it really just comes down to a couple of core components. First, authentication passwords are critical. And in the current day and age of 2021, unless you're wearing bell bottoms and listening to the Bee Gees, Passwords have come, I mean, passwords are so archaic, I mean, we might as well put them in the Smithsonian Museum. You have to use multi-factor authentication, which is when you sign in, you do an initial password, and then it texts you or sends you a one-time password. You have to be using multi-factor authentication today. Second, turn on account notification. Get visibility, every one of the scams where I see individuals have lost all their life savings, anytime companies get compromised, if they would have got a notification that said somebody logged into your account or somebody is accessing your information or somebody is transferring money, they could have taken action. But because they had no notification, they found out seven, eight, nine days later. And With most financial fraud, you have 36 hours. If you catch it within 36 hours, it's reversible. You can stop it. After 36 hours, the money's gone. So just going in and doing some basics of focusing on multi-factor authentication and putting in account notifications so you have visibility, simple things like that go a long way to start protecting yourself, your business, your family, and your resources.
2: And I believe, Eric, you also touch on things like cloud and mobile and the use of those. And certainly those are very prevalent in, in, well, every size organization, but especially in small, medium business as well, where most of their email systems or HR systems or payroll systems, their all ordering all the stuff is online through the cloud and probably managed through mobile. So do do you touch on anything in the book that helps understand how those play a role in getting that visibility, getting the MFA installed and, and, and leveraged? Or does that just add more risk for them?
1: So 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 once again, whether it does or doesn't add risk, to me is the wrong question. The real question that you just pointed out is, are people using it? Right? If, if people in your company are using mobile devices, I can be a security professional and say, don't do it. And they're just not going to invite me to the meetings. So what I do is I'm one of the weird security professionals. I embrace the cloud. I embrace mobile. I embrace all the tech because I recognize it's going to be used. And let's just go in and set it up correctly. And to me, in a lot of cases, and we do address this in the book, is everyone goes in and looks at the cloud. And a lot of security people are going in and saying, oh, well, Eric, your data is on somebody else's server. They're all located in the same location. So somebody could get it, so risk risk, and they point out all the risks, but here's the problem with that analysis. They're assuming what companies are doing today is 100% secure. So if, if what you're doing today is perfect, then yes, going to the cloud is a negative. But if you look at all the security issues today, for almost every company I work with, moving to the cloud increases security. It's still risky, it's not perfect, but it's better than where you are today. And that to me is the big issue is we need to recognize that what you're doing today has exposures. So what we're going to move towards mobile devices in the cloud is not perfect, but it's better than what we have now. And what I try to always do with anybody, whether it's individuals, small businesses, or large businesses is really teach them to ask a second question. Most people today are asking one question when they make a decision. What is the value and benefit? And let's just use Alexa as an example. So we're going in and people hear about Alexa and they say, what's the value or benefit? Well, I can go in and ask, what's the weather? Like, really, you can't just walk over to the window and look outside. You you need a device. but, But people like that. So they look at the value and benefit and functionality and they say, it's great. So they put it in place. But they never ask the second question, what is the risk or exposure? What is that impact? And I remember everybody buys Alexa. And then two years later, it comes out that Alexa basically listens and records your conversation. And all of a sudden people now go, wait a second, the value and benefit is not worth the risk or exposure of my conversation being recorded. So they, everyone ripped out the Alexa and they decreased in value. And what always makes me laugh is where people argue with me, Eric, Alexa isn't listening. How is it answering you if it's not listening? Like, this is common sense here, right? This is not hard. And then people are like, oh, the light goes on. So, what I always train people is just ask two questions right out of the gate. What is the value and benefit? What is the risk and exposure? And is that benefit worth the risk or exposure? And to me, by doing that, That's how we live our lives. Every time you get in an automobile, there's a risk that you can get into a car accident. There are factors outside of your control. But we have recognized that the value or benefit is worth the risk or exposure, and that's why we do that. I love extreme sports. I love base jumping. I I, I love all those things. Most people don't do that because the value or benefit is not worth the risk or exposure. So we need to do the same thing with cybersecurity is saying, what is the value and benefit? What is the risk and exposure? And then use that to drive our decisions. And something as simple as that, all of a sudden, we start making better decisions right out of the gate.
2: Yeah, and as you're describing this, uh, I'm picturing some some of these smaller organizations where they don't have big teams, where the the, the conversations aren't happening, uh, there's nobody to talk to about it. (laughs) So, so you're, you're one stuck with talking to themselves and that becomes very boring. So let's just move forward without, without having any conversation and and no decision is made or a decision that's, uh, risky because we don't think about it. So Marco, I don't know, take, take us home with this.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take it home because I'm going to go back to, to the beginning, which is this mix of, virtual cyber world and reality, and your example of, and I don't even know how many times we have used the car example, the, the seatbelt example. The, I don't need to know how the car work, but I need to know how to brake and I need to know how to steer it. And I, you know, I need the basic uh, concept of it so that I can understand the risk. I know that if I go 120 miles an hour, it's a little riskier than going at 20 miles an hour. Still, I can't fix the car, right? <laughs> So I think in the end, what you're saying and, and the value of, of a book like yours is that it does apply to the CEO of a big company, that his job is not being the CISO, but the CEO. So it doesn't need to speak the, the language, but he needs to understand the problem so that then he can have the CISOs and the team to take care of it to down to where you don't have those team, which is the small medium business, where You kind of have to wear two hats. And again, you need to understand less, but few steps are important. And then you bring it down to the family, to the everyday situation, to the personal life, where many times I think we just take convenience over security. And even to put a 2FA is a pain in the butt. (laughs) And I don't really understand that. As you close the door, you lock it, you close the car, you put the alarm on. So it's not that complicated. I just hope that we will talk more about this and break it down as seems like you've been doing in this book. So a call to action for the people that should read your book. And uh, and I know it's been delayed a little bit, but it's coming up. So
1: go ahead. Yeah. So to me, the big call to action is I don't care who you are, what business you're in or what you do. You are going to be a target. It's almost a guarantee in your lifetime that you, your family, your business, or all of the above are going to suffer a cyber breach, and it might have happened already. So you are a target, but then here's the key. Cybersecurity is your responsibility. It is a skill set that everybody must have that's going to live and survive on this planet. It's not something that you can outsource or give to somebody else. Now, you don't have to be an Uber geek. But if you live on this planet and you're running a business or managing a team of any size, you must understand cybersecurity at a basic level, know what questions to ask, and understand the basic threats that are out there. And that's exactly what Cyber Crisis does, is it gives you a fun to read. It'll take you less than two hours. Most of the executives that read the book, I hear the same comment. Eric, I was going to sit down for 20 minutes and start reading it. And two and a half hours later, I'm done with the book. It was a fun, easy read that teaches you what you need to know to survive in this crazy world of cyberspace.
0: Love it. So I I would definitely suggest everybody to do it. This has been a big part of all our mission on talking, having conversation at the intersection of cybersecurity, technology, and society is all together. We're all part of this. We all have our own stuff. From the Alexa to Siri, it doesn't matter what the name is, it's we're all living with that thing. So well and we, and we want to use it, we just need to Yeah, un- we should use it. Because we use cars and we use other things, right? But we need to learn a little bit more. They're not just magically coming in your life.
1: And anything can be made safe with a little awareness, but it all starts with you and me and the people using the technology. Yep.
2: Think think, read, learn, share.
0: Yep. So, all right, well Thank you so much.
2: Great conversation. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, congratulations on the book. uh,
1: Tony Marco, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at Blue Lava. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at nintex.com.